to the Line Break Podcast. Uh, this is Chris from the future with a quick note before we get into our interview with the lovely and wonderful Sandra Marchetti. Um, we have some audio issues this week. Uh, this is a free podcast, and as such, we try to keep our overhead low by not paying for things like Zoom or Zencaster, which is the podcast recording service that we used. Um, our interview with uh, previous guest Alina Pliskova and this month's guest uh, Sandra Marchetti were booked kind of back-to-back. And as such, we ran out of free hours on Zencaster. So we used a service unfamiliar to us, and they only sent us one audio file instead of the normal two or three audio files that we would have, um, making things a lot harder to mix. Audio heads will know what I'm talking about. Um, just know that I did everything in my power as an amateur recording engineer to try to make this sound good, but it is going to sound a little bit like we're all three in the room. Uh, making noise together. We're in different rooms making noise together, but um, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer, especially for, for, you know, on our behalf to Sandra, like, you know, you're going to hear Bob and me like taking sips out of our water while Sandra's reading poems and stuff like that. Obviously doesn't mean we're not listening. Obviously doesn't mean you shouldn't not listen or whatever that is. Listen to the podcast. Um, but yeah, you know, deepest apologies to um, Sandra and to you, the listener, uh, for the dip in audio quality here, but the interview's still good enough that we want to give Sandra the time of day. So uh, without further talking, please enjoy the episode. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, thank you especially to Sandra Marchetti for being on the show. Go buy her books. Hello, and welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me as always is my friend and co-host, Bob Sakura. Hi, Chris. Hey, Bob, we are here, man. You know, we're back again. It feels like really soon uh, compared to the last like bit between, which is nice. Yeah, it feels like we're in rhythm. Like we, we've, we've, it's you true. Know, we've played the first half, now we're playing the second half. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. <laughs> um, uh, I, for one, will say that um, this is the, uh, the first time in our in our history that I've had two podcasts and I'm trying to make my host voice distinct or at least my intro distinct. <laughs> and, uh, I keep doing the line break intro when I'm doing the lazy and entitled podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> People like, hello and welcome to the lazy. Nope. That's not how we do this one. <laughs> oh, so you, have you have a whole different, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's hello and welcome to the Lazy and Entitled podcast, the podcast where we talk about life from the writer's perspective. Because I learned after we started this podcast that it's yeah. good to like tell people what they're in store for. Oh, we can still time. do that. Ah, probably I'm not going to though. I mean, what a terrible way to start off this episode. It's my talk. Yeah, we'll be doing. <laughs> it's nightmarish. If you hit we got, skip we got thirty seconds three times, you will hear us bring in our guest today, who is hey. Sandra Marchetti. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you started, so now you got to read the bio. Yeah, now I got to read the bio. Here we go. <laughs> so, skip another 30 seconds. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Sandra Marchetti is the author of two full length collections of poetry, Aisle 228 from Stephen F. Austin State University Press in 2023, and Confluence from Sundress Publications in 2015. She is also the author of four chapbooks of poetry and lyric essays. Sandra's poetry appears widely in Poet Lore, Blackbird, Echo Tone, Southwest Review, Subtropics, and elsewhere. Her essays can be found at Fangraphs, Midwestern Review, 
Fangraphs, Mid-American Review, Baseball Perspectives, Barrel House, Pleiades, and other venues. Sorry, did I say Pleiades right? Is that how you say that word? Speaking of... uh, it's Pleiades. Pleiades, there we go. Speaking of words you only read. (laughs) (laughs) Sandy is the poetry editor emerita at River Sticks Magazine. She earned an MFA in creative writing poetry from George Mason University and now serves as the assistant director of academic support at Harper College in the Chicagoland Chicagoland area. Sandy, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. I am the super fan of the Line Break podcast, so I'm so excited to be here. But I must say, my bio sounds super pretentious after just listening to your last episode about deconstructing the poetry business with Alexa. Is it, Alexa? Is it, Alina. 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 Oh, God. Um, so anyway, I'm here. I'm but a humble poet. <laughs> okay. okay, but part of our conversation was the way we like we all have to play the game. Yeah, we all have to play the game. Um, and I think I think the real heads will be excited to see fan graphs in your bio. That rule. Hell yeah! Yeah, hell yeah! Baseball perspective. My dad's going to be so. Both our dads are going to be thrilled. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need to do uh, poetry reading. Um, <laughs> tell us about the. Uh, uh, I'm going to run low on my baseball advanced stat stuff, but you know, the, uh, the war of, uh, the war of the book. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> I think your, your wars and your obs. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not quite, I'm definitely not at Shohei Otani level, but I think, you know, I'm probably hanging at an Aussie Albies. Like, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. Like, I go. feel like I'm definitely not a replacement level player at this point. The, Absolutely. The, yeah, yeah. People are reading the book. People I don't know are reading the book. So that's got to yeah. be above replacement level. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I when when I started writing for uh, for for Cracked like on a pretty regular basis, I told I told my wife I was like I feel like I've moved up to double A. <laughs> we get some stories published. I'm going to move up to AAA. When I get a book, I'll be in the big leagues. You know, I might be on the oh, bench. Yes. But... And she was like, I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, minor league baseball is precious and beautiful in its own way. And, you know, I think there's so much value there. We don't all have to be in the big leagues all the time. Um, so I think your wife probably recognizes that anything you do is, is probably pretty great. So that's very sweet. And minor league baseball is great. Shout out to, uh, other super fan of the show, Tommy Beanbags. Mm. Uh, Beans. He's a big, big minor league baseball guy. I thought you were going to shout out a specific minor league team. And I was like, Whoa, Chris, this is a whole new side of you. What the South Bend <laughs> I thought that was coming the, too. the Nashville Sounds or the, uh, the Birmingham Barons. I mostly know White Sox. Rocket Barons. city trash pandas. There you go. The Rocket City Trash one. Pandas. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, when I lived in Utah, we had the Ogden Raptors in town. Nice. Oh, that's uh, a good name. The rookie level league, you know, like the, the freshest of the fresh. Yes. And it was truly the most beautiful stadium. And I, and I think it's like regularly voted as one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country. Uh, I believe that. What a delight. Exciting. Yeah. And like, you know, you know yeah, you could see the guys at the bar a couple nights later. Like, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, that that's when it's real. I wrote a poem once about uh, an adult like men's league team or like semi pro team in Door County, which is like um, up north in Wisconsin. Yeah, my and, brother has um, uh, shows in Door County all the time. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and like the guys on the team that would regularly win the championship, we would see them all the time late at night on this mini golf course we frequented with a cooler of beers just getting super wasted after winning, you know, their game that day or whatever. So that's um, awesome. You got to love that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do appreciate their celebrating, but I also love like, you know, like the level of competitiveness to be a professional athlete where you win a game and then you're like, we got to go play mini golf now. Absolutely. Like, be, my teammates. Bust. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're just talking about like, I thought you were saying like the beer meant they weren't taking it seriously. No, they mm. just have to play another game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Jordan with the card games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That, that clip was just going around again this week of like, we just lost the Celtics, but I'm winning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Oh, we could probably get lost in a lot of that kind of talk. Yes, um, we could. Right. Yeah, listeners, just heads up. There's going to be a lot of, we could probably get lost in this episode. Yeah. And I tried, honestly, to pick some things to talk about that were not sports-related, just so hopefully it wouldn't get completely off the rails. But I'm honestly fine with going way off the rails, too. So <laughs> you guys just tell me. Yeah, this is the one for it. I think you have the most sports knowledge of anyone we've ever had on the show. Well, it, yeah, I think no, that's true. That's one hundred percent true. Someone's um, insulted right now. Someone's insulted, but yeah. they don't have bylines of baseball perspectives. So. <laughs> this is true. I had my first uh, my first friend own up to uh, ending the pod when we start talking about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that's what most people do. Oh, my God. That's my favorite part because you guys have to make a really awkward transition to find a way to bring it back. And sometimes they're genius, but other times it's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Okay, we made it. Like a UPS truck trying to turn left or something, you know. Oh, and now you're just slinging great metaphors here. (laughs) Um, I will wrangle us in. Okay. Uh, This is still going to be sports stuff, though, and poetry. (laughs) Sandra. Yes, now, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But your book, IL-228, came out in May. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell us about... Uh, the release of this book in the world, how you're feeling, you know, four months out. Uh, And uh, yeah, give us a a little bit on the book. Sure. Yeah. So, well, my kind of stock, you know, the thing they made me write for Amazon, like to to (laughs) put on the Amazon page about what is the book about, you know, is it, it basically just says that the book is about the Chicago Cubs going to baseball games with my dad and listening to baseball on the radio and mm-hmm. highlighting, you know, the 2016 Chicago Cubs, which were obviously World Series champions. Um, I think I've come, this is probably a conversation we can have more later, but like with this book, I it's almost like a memoir in verse where mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not making up things because poets can lie too. Um, <laughs> but it's a little, you know, I'm not going to say, oh, there's the speaker and then there's the author. No, this mm-hmm. is all me, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm fine with owning that. Like, I don't need to be doing a, a confessional poet thing here. So I would say I've had a lot of fun with this book um, mm-hmm. because you know, of course you have the poet, the poets, um, and your audience in the poetry community, um, 
And I think that they've been really generous with the book, even if they don't like sports, they're like, okay, you know, I'm going to try to read the book or I saw the poems come to fruition or I saw how many rejections you posted about this book on social media for a decade. So <laughs> I'm a little bit invested and I'll try. And then they'll, then they'll read it. And like the comments I've overwhelmingly heard are like, even though this is about a subject I don't like and openly mock, like <laughs> I still really enjoyed the language play or I enjoyed the craft or what, or you made me care a little bit, yeah. Um, yeah. which is great. But what's been really transformative for me is going to readings and connecting with communities that otherwise, like I've had people come up to me after readings and they're like, I haven't read a book since high school. I haven't oh, read nice. like anything, yeah. like not yeah. poetry, just like nothing. I haven't bought a book in 10 years. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, well, shit, like, okay, yeah. you bought my book. Like, that's crazy. And they're like, I really like it. And they're seeing right past, I think some of them are seeing right past the fact that it is poetry. They're like, whatever. Yeah. This is about the 2003 Chicago Cubs and how they broke my heart. Or this is about Carrie Wood or, you know, and they don't care. You know, and yeah. it just shows you how, for me, it's been really heartwarming in sort of a, a gooey way just to kind of feel like, okay, you know, if this is presented to people the right way, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe it works. And, you know, I've just loved that. I yeah. absolutely love that. Absolutely. That's awesome. I, uh, first of all, uh, people, I'm, I'm just going to keep, Bob, I'm going to keep shouting out friends that aren't the one we said we would shout out today. Um, my friend, uh, Devin McDougall, who listens to this podcast is like, I don't know shit about poetry, but I like your podcast. That is a wonderful feeling. Now we haven't gotten the, I haven't read a book since high school and I bought your book. That's nuts. That's yeah. awesome. Um, it's out of control. And again, I'm not really trying to brag. I like almost fell over when somebody told me that. Yeah, right? no, that's beautiful. And like, I think <laughs> if someone told me that, I'll just be like, so you haven't read a book since high school. First of all, how old are you? And if you're older than like 19, then like, why the fuck did you choose poetry? Like, <laughs> also, and third, third of all, thank you. <laughs> this is what rage tweeting about sports will get you, I think. Like, they say it'll get you nowhere, but I think it'll get you to the audience of people who – don't mm. want to read books, but are watching those games with, with you and living and dying with you. Maybe, maybe I need to start rage tweeting. <laughs> I stopped because I was getting no engagement and I was like, this makes you look silly. It, it makes you look so silly. <laughs> uh, um, okay. I, I feel like I both heard you say this just now and I feel like I read this somewhere else. I was reading an interview you did somewhere earlier today. Um, and you say this took 10, maybe more years to write. Yeah. Um, so if I'm doing that math right, 2013, you were starting with Cubs still not having gotten over the hump. Is that right? For sure. For sure. Oh uh, it, was a bad, it was a bad deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I say 10 years, and I'm thinking, like, a good amount of that was just, content, like, weird, like, revising it and then sending right. it out to publications futilely for for Mm -hmm. presses for years. Um, But yeah, I spent many, many years writing it as well, like probably five, six of them just kind of writing the poems because I'm kind of a slow writer. I just don't have a lot of time and 
I'm not really a good, <laughs> I'm not like a put my butt in the chair type of person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so 2014, 2013, end of 2013, my other book sort of got picked up and right. I knew it was going to prob- be published. And I was like, okay, now I can really focus. And this was that sort of end of grad school thing where I felt like, okay, I really need to get this first project out there that I've been like blood, sweat, and tearsing on since undergrad. Like, yeah. I just want that to be done before I go on to something else. But I think I always knew I was going to write this book because baseball was a huge part of my life. And I just was like, this book's going to happen. I have the poems in my head already, at least some of them. And so, yeah, I think the first poem that opens up the book um, frame, I wrote on opening day, 2014. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and the Cubs were just so bad. Um, obviously, like they were terrible. I mean, the end of 2014, things were starting to improve, right? There were some of the, the World Series infield pieces, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, they were starting to come on. But, I mean, that first half of 2014 was miserable. Yeah. And um, so a lot of those the early poems that I wrote were about all the memories, you know, of watching all these bad, terrible teams. Um, And then, you know, I think the book kind of got, you know, a hit of nitrous oxide or some some sort of accelerant, right. When the team got good. And I was like, Oh, I, you know, I can write a lot more and I have so many more things to say and, you know, kind of took off at that point. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, and of course, also as as a fan, the team getting good. Something happens to us that often. Any of us, (laughs) right? Right, and you sort of feel like okay, returning to the subject isn't like heart wrenching. Yeah, so I can do this and enjoy it. You know, there was a bit of that. Carrie Wood becomes easier to take when there's a Jake Arrieta. You know. Yeah, right. You're like okay, not all hope is lost. You know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, all right, trivia test. First of the night, you started writing this opening day 2014. Do you remember who was pitching? Oh, no. I mean, uh, I know Edwin Jackson was on that team. I'm thinking he might have been the opening day starter. Oh, that's not a good thing when Edwin Jackson is your opening day starter. <laughs> Should somebody check baseball <laughs> reference? <laughs> it's actually very readily available. I know, um, right? He came up in our group chat recently because I think he's the player who's played for the most teams, question mark? Yes, yes. Yeah. Immaculate Red Superstar. <laughs> we have a uh, we have a whole section of the group chat dedicated to Immaculate Grid. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Yes. I see now that they're putting them up on scoreboards during rain delays at baseball cool. games. So like, it smart. seems like a genius idea. You know, oh, yeah. People occupied. <laughs> I, I sent it to my dad. I was like, you know, this is really, this is an irritating time suck because it, it takes you longer than you think it should. But, oh, yeah. you know, I think you'd enjoy it. And he's like, well, I really only know, like, you know, Major League Baseball from like 1960 to, you know, 2000 or whatever, you know, however long yeah. he was like, following closely. I was like, yeah, just try it anyway. He's like, I spent too much time on this. Like an hour later, he texted me. (laughs) I'm thinking actually 1960 to 2000 should set you up real well. Yeah. I think I'm being, yeah. I mean, I don't know how closely he follows. Like, you know, I don't know. I think when he, he, it's like, it's like anything when you're a kid, you're like reading all the previews and all that stuff, you know, tracking the rosters and programs or whatever they had in the seventies and sixties. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I need to apologize again because I just got this idea. Um, so you basically knew the outline of the show, but and now I'm throwing something at you. You're going in cold for this. Okay. I think you will be game. Okay. But as we mentioned uh, last episode, we've got we started this new question: the All Influence Team Starting Five. Yes. Um, and Sandra, you so great, uh, graciously offered us two lists. Five poets and five everything else. Yeah, you answered this question in a really great way, and now Bob's just going to... Oh, I'm going to run with it. Well, (laughs) at first I was like, 10, oh, that's like five on five, but I was like, oh, wait, no, we're talking baseball. Uh, So... I I was thinking, like, start versus bench, you know, like NBA, but it could be either. We'll see. If we're doing baseball, and we assume one of these people is a designated hitter, you could give everybody a spot in the lineup. Yeah, <laughs> For sure. Some of them yeah. aren't people, which really concerns me, but let's go with it. Hey, there have been a lot of catchers and middle relievers who aren't people, okay? <laughs> That's so true. That's a really good point. Why do you think pitchers and catchers you know, are per, or per, or per early? Let's one human. Need... We're still not sure. <laughs> oh, my. Um, so, I... Let's start us off with your list of poets. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to also get into the all everything else team. Uh, yeah. um, but uh, if you could read us this list and maybe uh, take on one of them that you want to most kind of talk about your influence with. Okay. Now, so I kind of, I tried to really limit it with mm-hmm. the poets. First of all, actually everything I tried, I sort of limited things to 20th century ish sure. because I just found it to be too hard. Um <laughs> So I put down for my all-poet team Lee Young Lee, Octavio Paz, Elizabeth Bishop, Carl Phillips, and Mark Strand. As a great list of people I've read about three poems each of. (laughs) But yes, but all all of which I really like. Yeah, so great lineup. There you go. And do you want Um, me to read the all everything else or not yet? Yeah, let's do all everything else and then let's put them on the field. Okay, okay, let's hit it. Okay, all everything else is Annie Dillard, who, you know, is a secret poet, but we don't need to mention that. Right. Um, right. (laughs) Magritte, Rene Magritte, Ichiro, The Muppets, and Soviet USSR history. Marvelous, marvelous. What a list. I'm into all of these. Um, yeah, no, this is a fantastic list. There you go. <laughs> all right, so let's 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 start at the top. Lee Young Lee, infield or outfield? I think Lee Young Lee is maybe the second baseman. Okay, second baseman, yeah. and let's do um, let's 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 do a position, and then. Just okay. Off the top of your head, something you like about him—a poem, uh, a, an aspect of the writing. One, one well, thing. We're gonna talk about a Lee Young Lee poem. You're gonna be sick about it, but I think because we'll talk about him that much. But there we go. Yeah, just the detail of his work for sure puts him at second base. Yeah, details. Got it. Detail okay. oriented. All right, Octavio Paz. Um, Octavio Paz Octavio. might might really be. He might really be the pitcher. Okay. Um, okay. because he's so rhythmic. Mm. He works rhythmically. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. With okay. the little I know of Paz's work. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. I think Bishop is probably the catcher. She's mm. the most intellectual. She's the most cerebral. 
she's got a you know a handle on the game. Yeah, that scans. Yeah. If you can write a Sestina, you can keep uh, pitch signals in your head. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Carl Phillips, I would put Carl Phillips at third base mm-hmm. um, because he's got a hell of an arm. You know, he's just whipping. <laughs> He is a poet with an arm. You can He's tell. whipping those arresting lines at you, you know? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, that just take you aback, and you're like, where did the power come from? Um, <laughs> Mark Strand, I would I would make Mark Strand my first baseman, probably. Okay. I'm really okay. pulling out the infield here um, with poets. But I think because he, he, is, he is, like, kind of that, that sort of transparent, tissue that gauze that things just sort of seep through and like he's like that liminal space so are you comparing mark strand to bill buckner uh that's bad yeah i guess just everything's headed towards him let's put it that way okay there we go yeah Um, i I accidentally yeah i i i just ripped on a dead guy so let's not He made your list you're not really ripping on him he made no i i love him dearly so Yeah. And then what positions do we have left? We have the whole outfield. The whole outfield with DH. I think Magritte would be in right field because he's just drifting off, right? Isn't that Ichiro's natural position? That is is Ichiro's natural position. But we could put Ichiro in center. I know he could handle it. Ichiro can play any outfield. Yeah, Yeah. he's fine. So, I mean, he's got that great arm. Um, which right. so Annie Dillard hits hard. for power, right? So she's DH. She's she's gonna, yeah. yeah. Let's put her. Let's put her at DH, and then the Muppets. Uh, we'll put them in left field because they're going to be all over the place. Animals going to be eating grass. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just picturing animal like Moises Alou in the uh, Steve Bartman game. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then I don't know. I I'm trying to remember. What do I have left? Do center I, field. The Soviets take center. No. Soviets take shortstop. Oh, the Soviets take shortstop. Oh, God. God. I was saving shortstop for somebody important, and then I just messed up. So, yeah, let's put the Soviets there. All right. There we go. A few is better than just one, right? Right. They got short cover. It's the most important position. You need to do it by committee. (laughs) Uh, This has been our best answer to this question. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> this is so good. We were talking about a uh, animal eating grass in, in left field. Yeah, Chris, have I ever told my baseball story on this show before? If you haven't, you've at least told it to me because I have similar ones. If it involves like <laughs> playing with grass in, in the outfield. Oh, uh, I only played baseball during for t- like t-ball season. You know, really, really young. I was put in right field because even at the t-ball level, apparently there are kids who are good. We got to play the infield, hit it out of the infield. And the single time a ball came to me, I was literally laying down on the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laying down, bored out of my mind. I just hear my dad yelling so loud. And I'm like, what? What could it possibly be? A ball hasn't come to me. What could it possibly be? <laughs> There's like one possibility of what it is, and a ball coming at you. There's, there, there's one possibility of what it is. That's right. 
After I playing... love the aggrieved nature of the like line. Like, what could it possibly be? I will tell you, all I had so far through the season was evidence the ball was never going to come to me. Uh-huh. Game after game, no balls. Well, Bob, I will. I will say that that story makes me feel a lot better about my own son who. <laughs> Would, would treat me the exact same way. If I was like, hey, you're in right field, and the pop-up fly is coming to you, he would yell, what? What do you want? Oh, yes. Thank you for children. I love it. <laughs> Nature's little miracles. <laughs> oh, my. All right. I think we should pivot into the poet zone. Poem zone. Let's yes. get into the, the poem say. zone, which so will excited. not become a regular segment. Okay. Poem zone. That's just that's just like what they call it on Sports Center, you know. Right. I was thinking if there's ever a reactionary version of our show, like if there's like an outkick version of the line break, or like a uh, like a Jason Whitlock hosted poetry podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Welcome to the poem zone. Yes. And then they read like Billy Collins or some shit, you know. Oh, oh yes. Oh, and they say... think they were really doing it too. They they would think they were doing it, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, when you said ESPN, though, you just reminded me. I we we went for a walk last night. We ended up stopping at a bar. We ran into a very new friend, like someone we've only met once before, who invited us in to play trivia with her team. Mm. Trivia overwhelms me, um, okay. and I look up at the TV, and on I, it was only ESPN two. I was expecting ESPN three or four. There was like competitive tag, like parkour tag. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and you just. You just made me think of like like how would it look if if competitive poetry was on ESPN? <laughs> yeah. It'd be like the Scripps National Spelling Bee, oh. but on way more drugs, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Scripps National Spelling Bee, but with tattoos. Yeah, so many tattoos. Yes. Well, we gotta read this poem after that. <laughs> we gotta read this poem. And we'll pull it together. I can do it. We can do it. Sandra, if you would do us the honor. Okay. This is Eating Alone by Lee Young Lee. I've pulled the last of the year's young onions. The garden is bare now. The ground is cold, brown, and old. What is left of the day flames in the maples at the corner of my eye. I turn, a cardinal vanishes. By the cellar door, I wash the onions, then drink from the icy metal spigot. Once, years back, I walked beside my father among the windfall pears. I can't recall our words. We may have strolled in silence, but I still see him bend that way, left hand braced on knee, creaky, to lift and hold to my eye a rotten pear. In it, a hornet spun crazily, glazed in slow, glistening juice. It was my father I saw this morning, waving to me from the trees. I almost called to him until I came close enough to see the shovel, leaning where I had left it in the flickering, deep green shade. White rice steaming, almost done. Sweet green peas fried in onions. Shrimp 
braised in sesame oil and garlic, and my own loneliness. What more could I, a young man, want? Yeah, hell yeah. Poem rips so much. Poem. <laughs> rips so much. So good. Oh my god. Uh, I don't think I've read that since I read, let's say like last read, uh, this is from the collection Rose, I believe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and like everyone in that book, it's just like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> How do you do this? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So lead us off. Um, I think this is your time to generally gush about Lee yes. and Lee and your kind of history of, of reading him. Why did you choose to bring one of his poems today? Well, you know, first of all, we've got two Chicagoland area folks here, and really three. I mean, really all of us have. So I have lived in Chicago or lived in the Burbs, and Lee Young Lee is generally considered a Chicago poet, even though we know his background as, you know, an immigrant is much more complicated than that, but I think at this point... So that's always there. Um, But really, like, for me, this poem is sort of, I'm not afraid to say it. It's kind of like the template of every poem that I want to write. Like, it's, yeah. Like, I mean, and that sounds, I don't know. I I think that could be taken a lot of different ways. But, like, really, I think this is the type of poem that teaches me how to write poems. It's the type of poem that, like... I keep trying to live up to this poem, I think. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. I I love how, like, concise it is and how much he packs in. Yeah. Um, My poems are really, really short, and I like to see how much I can put into those little boxes. And he does an excellent job with that, um, just with showing you things, giving you images that, that really they do the talking, you know, I love that. Like, I mean, these are some very traditional things, but that's, you know, that's what I like in a poem. There's also a companion piece to this called eating together, which Mm -hmm. is about a big family dinner um, where he kind of talks about all the family members around the table, I I think. And um, it's so much different than this poem because it's just not, it doesn't have that scarcity or that, you know, brevity of language. And it's so rich, full, overflowing, longer poem, you know, longer lines. And that's what I mean by just teaching you how to write, reteaching me how to write a poem. Like, you know, like, especially, I think I read this poem, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe close to 20 years ago. And every time I come back to it, there's something more for me here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, so I love that. Yeah. I just, I, I could talk about lots and lots of specifics here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll dig in, in in our next question. Uh, this, this, I love this idea of like a sort of like North star poem, like a poem that teaches you to write poetry. We've talked before, Bob, what was the term you used? Like one of your, um, uh, someone from your MFA said like, what's the, what's the better book your book is aspiring to as like a piece mm-hmm. of advice. Was it yeah. something like that? It was, yeah, I think it was like, what's the book that you're trying to, yeah, what is the example of the book that you're trying to write? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I've carried that with me, like, since Bob mentioned it, and, like, I definitely have poems like that where, like, if I, you know, if I I talk about Joshua Marie Wilkinson on this podcast all the time, if I pull up a book of his, I will, like, within three pages be like, okay, I'm ready to start writing. And I love that for um, 
your relationship with this poem because I was noticing like all that stuff you talked about in in your work as as you were um, as you were reading this. It's just like oh yeah, there's like there's a lot of sensory detail. It is short and it's it's like um, it is just this kind of like small, really well made object. That was the mm-hmm. same feeling I got from reading a lot of your work too. So uh, so if this is your North Star, man, you're doing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I like really that. wanted to pick, like, there were a couple others. I, like, I struggled so hard to find something that yeah. I thought would be right for this podcast. And I was like, okay, is it At the Fish Houses by Elizabeth Bishop? Is it The yeah. Untelling by Mark Strand? Because yeah. those are the other ones. And I yeah. think there are more. But this one, I was like, okay, it's the right size. And I think you know, we can actually talk about it. So I'm glad <laughs> you that. Yeah. Uh, no, I would, I would also just, just echo that. It's, it was like really funny, you know, to yeah, be like prepping and thinking about this and to be like reading this poem first and then immediately going to read one, the poem that you're going to share with us in a little bit, but also looking through some other stuff and just being like, oh yeah, this is the, the like, this DNA is in so much of what you're doing. You should, like, if this is the North Star, you'll do about it. Uh, and... <laughs> I, I, I think I, I heard, like, some of your reservation and what you were saying um, or, like, the way that it could be taken differently, but I, I can't agree with you more that, like, notion of there are just some poems where it's, like, yes, it's going to teach you something, it's going to make you want to write, but, like, the way that it can do that over and over again. And like you said, like, uh, there's absolutely stuff 20 years from now that you're going to be, like, I never thought of that in this poem. You're, like, it's so loaded. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, we'll go we'll go into the uh, into the move after this but um uh, it's also just one of those 20 years you'll you'll see it later it's one of those like great reminders about being a writer is that like it's not like being an athlete you get to do this for as long as you yeah you know have your yeah. have your mental faculties about mm-hmm. you and i was thinking the other day you said something earlier sandy about um uh, like you were always going to write a baseball book or something like this. Like, I started taking notes the other day. I am not in a new project place, but I'm reading a bunch of werewolf novels right now. And so I started taking notes because I was for the one I'm going to write. Cause I was like, I am going to write a werewolf novel. Before I <laughs> yeah. die. Like that's just, that's yes. going to happen. So I'm taking notes. It doesn't matter when I finish it. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, that, that, but so that, that was to say like the, teaching you over and over again, like as you grow and you get more experiences and you, you, you start looking at the world in different ways or, yeah. or, or things like, yeah, like the, the wonderful thing about poems, especially a poem like this, that's about a fairly universal thing, like, you know, missing someone in this case, dad and, and, and like, yeah. and, and also food, like, yeah, you can always, you'll be able to go back and, and mine this till you're 80, you know, like, that's, oh, for that's sure. Thing. For and sure. speaking of mining it, <laughs> Let's do that. Let's get into it. Um, what is the the move in this poem? And I, I lost my definition of the move. The part of the poem or specific poem moment that excites you the most. What's the move? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I've been thinking about the move because I feel like this poem doubles back on itself. It's almost mm. like yeah. sort of like a palindrome of a yeah. poem. Yeah. Which, yes. you know, it's not a palindrome poem, obviously, but... <laughs> It's like we start with the food, right? And he's talking about the onions and the icy metal spigot. And you have these really amazing sensory images. And, you know, he's you can tell, like, okay, it's the end of the day. Like, maybe he's going to use these onions for dinner. Then you have two stanzas of, like, it's all about the dad. It's about the past or whatever. 
And then we go back to the meal, which let's be honest. I mean, we all love food. My husband's a <laughs> chef. Like food is what gets me excited. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like for me, I guess the part that I love that's so unexpected and so exciting is just hearing about, you know, going into that last stanza with the, the yeah. rice and the green peas, <laughs> fried and onions and garlic is my favorite. You know, I'm Italian. So Yes. Um, (laughs) You can like, I guess what I would say about this is like this poem definitely taught me that an image is not a visual, right? An image Mm. that is good uses all five senses. Yeah. And I can imagine eating this food. I can imagine smelling this food. It's completely all encompassing. Um, It's not even that the language is so, um, I mean, the language is great, but like it's the colors, it's the smell. Yeah, um, yeah. There's and, the onions and the garlic and all the green, right. man. That's yeah. and the sesame oil. That's all like it's really <laughs> fragrant stuff. <laughs> He's dropping in the shrimp. I'm getting really excited. Oh, I'm getting God. really excited. You know? Yeah, um, shrimp, gets, shrimp gets me hot and bothered for sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then you know, then he brings it right back to my own loneliness yeah and yeah. it's just like the elevator car fell all the way to the parking garage you yeah. know um he has you on a string um yeah. it's so powerful so i you know i think <laughs> there, there are so many beautiful things about this poem you get lost in this dream in the middle and all the beautiful assonance all yeah. the just gorgeous um you know, um, what am what am I trying to say? Sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the, the part way that goes like, in your ears, the part of the poem that goes in your ears. Yeah, right. <laughs> and like, I think, I think this poem also taught me like we need to read poems out loud. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Um, like if you and I like always tell people like, or I you know give them unsolicited advice. And I'm like, please read my poems out loud. Like, mm. please read them out loud yeah. because you won't. Uh, you won't hear it, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, and I think not just my poems, but everyone's poems. Right. Um, yeah. Which is what's so great about this podcast. But anyway. <laughs> no, it was it was something it, that went into the planning, the, the part, the, the thought process of the planning was like, you know, for for an audio medium like poetry, sure, on a ton of poetry podcasts, so at least ones that I know about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just hearing that and feeling the rhythm of that, and like one thing I did a lot in my first book was I did this thing called sound mapping which is really just like a really effed up way to scan uh meter um and it's a way to make it a lot easier uh you know and um with this poem like you see how the vowels change from like i've i've been with this poem a long time so forgive me if i'm i'm doing too much inside baseball but like no 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 you have the o's in the first stanza and then you go to the e's and the a's and then you go back to some of the O's. So even with the sounds, you have like this palindrome effect. Yeah. It's I so, love that. So cool. I love that. Oh my I God. I am unfamiliar with the concept of sound mapping. And first impressions, it sounds like Silicon Valley Bro invented scanning. <laughs> <laughs> like a sound VC guy was like, no. you start with a, with, a, with a syllable and then you count how many syllables. No, but uh, no, this, that sounds awesome. Like I'm a big, I'm a big uh, music theory nerd. So like anytime yeah. you can throw like, like 
more breakdowns of what a piece of art is doing. Mm. I just, I go nuts for it. So um, I'm going to look up sound mapping when I'm I'm done with this recording. Uh, I can't get over, and I think this is true of many of his poems, but just like it's, it's on such incredible display here of this, like this language, the language in this poem feels, you know, like both really beautiful, but also kind of like spare in this particular way. Yes. Um, you know, there's something I keep just noticing about, like, like single syllables or, like, words that are relatively short. Um, yeah, and, 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 Senator, you were pointing to this. I, I keep coming back to that last stanza, like, white rice steaming, almost done. And that next part, sweet green peas fried in onions. You know, like, I I, I could spend a lifetime trying to explain why that's incredible. It's <laughs> I don't so think good. I would do it. Perfect line break. Yeah. Um, and even shrimp, raisin, sesame, oil, and I, I, I think there's something particular so good about, like, the timing and the, like, mm-hmm. ace yeah. and, like, the slowness right there of, the, the, you know, like, really simple, short words leading in right into the end my own loneliness, which is just, like, <laughs> a, what a, <laughs> I don't even know how to, you like, what a move, what a move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poets out there, you are always going to get praise from this podcast if you do, like, good image, good image, good Mm -hmm. image. Something about your loneliness. (laughs) 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 No, I I love when image strings are like that. And like you said, Sandy, like, like, um, like not just a visual, but like an an image, image. And and Bob, what you were pointing to with, like, the line breaks there, they, man, they're just right. They're like, like, sweet green peas, line break. Fried and onions, and like fried and onions could be its own beginning to a line, you know. Yeah. Uh, same mm-hmm. with oil and garlic on the next one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. It's amazing too because I think he really there's a real duality in the line breaks, which is definitely something I've totally ripped off or tried to. <laughs> yeah. It's like you see one line break, but you don't necessarily read it that same way. There's a sound break versus an a visual break. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which 100%. I love that duality because it just brings in layers of meaning and layers of questions and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And the, the it's kind of thrilling sometimes when you're reading a poem and the line breaks, but you know you shouldn't have a sound break then. So like it's like it's yes. not your poem that you're like like yes. it's a new it's a another author's uh, poem and you're you're like reading along and you're like oh I should keep going and you like go back and you do it again and like ah it's thrilling yeah yes yes yeah. Ah, so good. I have to, uh, I feel bad when I, when this kind of thing happens and it's happened I know, both with guests and on our own, but like when something that's not really in the poem humorous comes up, I, one of the first times I was reading in prep, I stopped the line, I washed the onions. Um, <laughs> and so I couldn't get out of my head for a little bit that this, I, I was referring to this poem in my head as eating onions alone. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like a vastly different poem. <laughs> that's that's more like my own loneliness when I was like twenty three. You know, <laughs> yeah, right? Just just like taking a bite out of a whole onion. <laughs> well, these were ninety nine cents. It's yeah. <laughs> a really crisp bite of an onion. <laughs> My kid almost did that the other day. I was no. like, no, 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 no. Oh, God. Oh, it's not going to go well. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, so my. He was, yeah. he was helping me cook, which is uh, sit on the counter while I chop. 
And he was like, I'm going to eat this onion. I was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Um... I guess we should move to beyond the page. Yeah, let's 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 do that. So, what's going on in this poem? I mean, you mentioned a little bit that, uh, you know, that, it, that this is a poem you return to. That this is kind of a North Star poem. But anything else you want to say on what this poem does for you beyond the page? I don't know if this is beyond the page or not, but just something else I want to point out. You can yeah. course correct me, but one other thing that he does here that I've seen very other few poets try. And I've tried to do it in my own work. I don't know how successfully, um, but he he takes like adjectives out of order. Like I love this line: "The ground is cold, brown, and old." Like mm-hmm. if the line is "The ground is cold, old, and brown," it's yeah. nothing. It's boring. Yeah. But cold, yeah. brown, and old is like okay. I'm interested. <laughs> like, that sounds weird. That sounds different. Um, and I think just whether it's adjectives or other, you know, that's part of the reason I love Carl Phillips too, is this idea of just really messing with the syntax and, um, just kind of making us pay attention, even though, yes, this is another poem about making food and your father dying and (laughs) wanting him to be alive again. And, you know, I've written those too, even though blessedly my father's alive, but like, you know, we've all written these sorts of poems, but it's like, that's kind of, for me, what is so lovely about this poem is it's not radioactive as far as the subject matter. It's Mm -hmm. not, uh, it's kind of the type of poem that probably poetry editors get a lot of in their pile is like, is like a lot of things that are trying to do this. But to Mm -hmm. me, it's like the highest compliment. It's like the highest achievement when you can make something that is just a subject that we've all heard about and we've all written about a million times and make it really something amazing and and make it sing. Yeah. You know, because it's not about, it's really not about the topic here. Uh Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those where, um, yeah, there's a certain aboutness to like, yeah, being about being, you know, being about his dad, being about food or whatever, but it's 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 in the lines, man. The poem is in the lines. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure he would be like, obviously, haven't you read my books? The father thing is a big deal to me. Why are you saying <laughs> this? But I'm just talking about from the craft perspective, you know. Right. right. 100%. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think that that's so fair. Like, I... I don't know if you could ask for a better teacher than what he's doing. Ugh. All right. That. What do you say? No. Poetry rules. Poetry rules. <laughs> Enjoy it. The pleasure is the poem. Yeah. Absolutely. Pleasure is the poem. That's that. That's it. Yeah. The poem is that which cannot be paraphrased. Paraphrase. The pleasure is the poem. Just read your poems out loud. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of reading poems out loud, hey. <laughs> uh, how about Sandra? You read uh, the poem that you brought for us today. Okay, I will read this. Yes. Yeah. Um, the title is "As Long as the Poem." <laughs> the listeners must be aware of that. <laughs> Against seven innings double headers and starting runners on second base in extra innings in Major League Baseball. 
When the infielders were tired, they just dropped their heads. One after another, in dust plumes along the base paths, and beginnings occurred. Stroked singles followed each other into the dusk. Infinite batsmen moved through their stations. The sky turned from purple to velvet, then a glamour of stars. Ball caps became curtains. The fielders sighed and woke up again, eyes raised into the ready position. The diamond itself a galaxy, the teams orbiting one another. Part of the bargain is the never-ending. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, that rolls. That's so good. This this is <laughs> this is this is where I where I will shout out the friend we said we would shout out. Um uh lead singer of the band Big Dopes, uh fan of most NL Central Division teams. Uh, <laughs> I think he would say it's mostly the Cardinals, but you know, we'll just we'll just say most of the Central Division. Um uh Eddie Schmidt, um Eddie, I hope you like this poem as much as I as I, as I think you are liking this poem. Uh, I love that you said batsman instead of, instead of batters. It, it really adds to the infinite part of it, and, yeah. and that like batsman is kind of an antiquated term. And Jesus Christ, what a what a last two lines there! Yeah, oh, yeah. thank you so much. Um, I, I think this is also such a good lesson um, in titles because this title does rule, even though it's long. Um, but I feel like, you know, I could read this poem with a different title and be completely somewhere else. <laughs> right. Yeah. The title, the title's really instructive here. If the title was something like, you know, the time the infielders got tired or, like, or, you know, like scheduled rest or some bullshit, it'd be like bad, you know? Right. Load management. Right. Load management. Yeah. The title Kawhi Leonard. No. <laughs> Um, I I'll, also just a, a brief uh, shout out and commending you and, and especially as someone, you know, I know you've, you are, you're very transparent about uh, the, the game of submitting and how awful it often is. Blackbird feels like a journal that's impossible to get into. So shout out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know what, what we don't know, and I'm going to totally expose her and also shout her out is Mary <laughs> Flynn. Who's the faculty advisor for Blackbird. Nice. She's a huge baseball freak. like let don't even think about it as like oh the poem must be so good no i think it like has a baseball in it and she's like yeah we're gonna just take that one (laughs) (laughs) there were okay so i i i don't want to make this about me i'm sorry for that but i'm doing my 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 guest editing uh, uh an issue for cotton xenomorph right now and the theme is cryptids and climate change and uh we got so many submissions where I was like, did this person just scroll my Twitter th- feed and then write a poem? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they t- <laughs> like, it's like, one, I'm flattered, you know, but... <laughs> Chris Corlew, what's he into? <laughs> calls cryptids and climate change. Let's see, what's he talk about and what's he anxietizing about? <laughs> well, I appreciate what you said about batsmen, too. Like, I, I kind of put that in there because I think the only time we ever say batsmen is when it's a hit a hit by pitch and we say it's yeah. a hit 
hit batsmen. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I really like the sound of that. And also like bats, right? Like yeah. bats come yeah. out at night. You know? <laughs> they do. They <laughs> I was do. Like, we could we could throw that in there. So <laughs> I heard I remember hearing in grad school, like, um, I think it was grad school, it might have even been undergrad, where they were like, Well, if you don't know what to title your poem, just start with a really, really long title. Um, and it's I not always bad advice, people, to be honest. Like, what? It's not bad advice, to be honest. Like, yeah, start with a yeah, long I title and see advice. how you like it. And... It's like writing a prose paragraph about your poem to figure out what it's really about yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I learned that other poets did that, like, because I was like, I'm just going to come and write, like, Ten perfect lines. You know, this is like an undergrad. I'm just like, all right, we're just, we're just sit down and write a fucking song. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and then, like, I heard my professor go, like, oh yeah, like, like this was not in class. This was in like some fucking interview he did in a magazine. I was so mad. He's like, yeah, all my my poems start with like a piece of prose writing. And I'm like, you jerk. You're just withholding that. <laughs> don't you hate that? It's like when you go to physical therapy or something, and they don't tell you the name of the muscle, and then you can't look up the exercise. No. Yeah. It's like, just <laughs> tell me why I'm hurting so that I can figure it out later. Um, yeah. No, I totally, yeah. Well, and so I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this stupid title on this thing because I have no idea how to get that point across. And it's way too instructive. Like, I don't usually like doing that to my mm-hmm. readers. But then after the poem was revised, I was like, there's really no other way to <laughs> to situate or contextualize this. Right. <laughs> yeah, except, for, except for part of the bargain is the never ending. You're yeah. not like super, you were talking about, and this, this, there's a lot in this poem about like, baseball as like you know this this just kind of ongoing thing like the -hmm. the river of life type thing you know like 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 there's there there have been sports for a long time there will continue to be sports for a long time Mm -hmm. uh that's why i was saying about the infinite batsman and batsman being kind of an antiquated term and same with like um uh uh this might just be like i'm reading and watching the changeling right now but the line to velvet then a glamour of stars like glamour is like the, the scottish term for like a mirage or like a, like a, like a false image or something like that. And like, makes me think of like the, uh, the nightlights at a stadium and stuff like that. But like, there's this real sense of, um, sense of the infinite sense of the cosmic sense of the eternal. And, um, I, I, you know, that's all there in the poem. And by starting with a like sort of cheeky explainer title, that's about a really like, (laughs) you know, some niche recent rule changes. Um, (laughs) like I think there's a, there's a there's a um a, a disparateness to that that I think yeah. really served the work. So yeah, thank you. Clamor of stars also. Hoo wee! I didn't even have this. I don't. I didn't have any Chris's Scottish knowledge there. I was <laughs> I was floored already. Clamor of stars. Read the changing yeah. Bob. Read the changing. Already... Yeah, Chris really brought another layer there. <laughs> um, wait. So to confirm, uh, you do not like the extra innings with the uh, runner on second base. You know, I wrote this poem a couple years ago. I, I guess, you know, we're all free to change our minds, right? I, I'm still pretty much against the Manfred man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not I'm not a huge fan. Cubs just lost an extra inning game heartbreaker last night. Um, this is the very end of the regular season for whenever this comes out, and we're probably right. going to choke and miss the playoffs. So I'm not <laughs> a real fan of it, like, right at the moment again. Um, right. But I do, you know, there's some sort of beauty – in like those 17 inning games that we used to watch. But the beauty is kind of like when you crammed for a test in college where you're like, 
delirious and you've drank like three sprites and like guys are tearing up but you're yeah. like yeah we're, we're we're watching to the bitter end i don't care i have to work in the morning i couldn't give a crap it's like that sort of beauty where like later on it feels like good down the line because you're like wow i have that memory but in the moment it's just bad it's all bad you know so <laughs> yeah I, I do appreciate that the games are maybe like there's some concision right um i wish it i wish it I still don't think it's the perfect solution. Yeah. 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 That's um, I will say that I've lost a bunch of MLB the show games just by like forgetting about the extra runner rule. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then about the extra innings. Yeah. I, I feel like every baseball game I go to uh, in about the fifth inning, I'm like, this is going too fast and I want this to last forever. But then every time, a game actually goes into extra innings. <laughs> like for the tenth and the eleventh, I'm like, this is really exciting. And if it's not resolved by the eleventh, I'm like, let's end this fucking game. Oh my god, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get from Wrigleyville to Edgewater, or yeah, right. from from, from, yeah, from right. Bridgeport to Edgewater. Like that is a long ride. <laughs> yeah. Wrap it up, boys. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. And I mean, the pitch clock is spoiling us, right? Because we're like. Right. Two hours and 30 minutes, like, this is great. And then, like, when a game actually hits three hours and 30 minutes, you're like, make it stop. Make it end. There's 162 of these. <laughs> There's 162 of these, and it's May right now. Yeah, right. All this right. <laughs> <laughs> The May game, you're truly like, does this matter? Like, we can't <laughs> I think they're probably um, finding out right now that some games they played in May against the Marlins really matter. Oh, so. yeah, they all count. They, got, they <laughs> all, all right. go in the standings. They all go in but, the standings. But we definitely felt like that at the time. Oh, yes, right. we did. That's <sighs> fair. I have, I have two minds of this. Of The first is I do remember, like, being a kid going, games, going to a game, at least one game with my family that, like, went really, really long. And there, there was some just, like, real joy in being, like, the people who would hold out and stay at the game. And of course this is LA. So like people were gone by the seventh inning, you know, like, how long can we hold out? I don't remember if we stayed at that one or not, but the more recent memory uh, is the year the Red Sox beat the Dodgers in the world series. And oh my God, I was living yes. with my brother at the time and it was a really cool, like special thing to like be able to watch the team with my brother you know, in the World Series, because we've lived apart for basically half our lives this time. You know, and we're staying up for this, I think it's 19th and 19 inning game. They blow it. And, you know, just like us at two in the morning, just like <laughs> he's pissed off, turns off the TV, throws it down. We both walk to our bedrooms inside. <laughs> <laughs> so angry. <laughs> I watched those games from a hotel room. I don't remember. I was at some conference. I don't remember mm-hmm. what, but. I just remember being like, I have an 8 a.m. panel tomorrow, and I could care less. Like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So, and, I mean, just they, both teams kept finding pitchers, and I was right. like, how are these guys doing it? So, pretty amazing. Although that blew out a few of those pitchers' arms, I think, for the next three years. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, fantastic. Oh, my. Um Chris, where are we in the uh, – oh, there you are on the outline. So, uh, so are, I'm completely lost at where we are and also where we are at in time. <laughs> well, we are we, – Like we, a baseball we, game, I think we're just going <laughs> It's never ending. at the 60-minute mark and already talking about sports. So. Oh, not bad. Not bad. 
but I, I think we got some some meaty meaty poetry stuff in there. I think oh, I think yeah. anyone coming here for uh, music metaphor and image got some music metaphor and image, man. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. What was the metaphor you came up with, Sandra, at the at the beginning? Like uh, uh, Carl Phillips is a like a UPS truck trying to turn left or something. Yes. Yeah. No, that was you guys trying to bring it back to basketball at the end. <laughs> well, see, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> you just put it. That was us trying to turn left. We just totaled a car that was parallel parked on the side of the road, but it's fine. It's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah, let's, uh, let's do, you know what, instead of like a real, um, uh, a real NBA question, since we're already talking about sports, since you've got us pretty significant. Uh, sports knowledge base already let's just do a little personal history can you give us you know like the the short and condensed you know version of your fandom with the chicago teams you know it can be the cubs can be yeah. bulls bears blackhawks uh i'm sure you're not a Sox fan um or yeah. you might be yeah okay see i'm a little more neutral i'm, I'm a Sox fan but i'm like oh, yeah, i yeah. I, I tolerate the Cubs. I'm, I like the Cubs when they're winning. I cheer for them in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, it could be Cubs, could be Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, uh, could be the Fire. Although, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, a little a little history. When did you? Which which of the teams do you are, do you really hold in your heart? And how did you get that way? Yeah, I would say for me, you know, probably the teams I'm a biggest fan of are the Cubs and the Bulls. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bears, I kind of watch with a very cursory, like, I'll watch them so I know what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, they're not good. Football is brutalist. I don't know. Yeah, um, I've watching football in 2015, but I, I still, like, want the Bears to do well. I just haven't watched them, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, I do like some hockey. I'm married to a Canadian, so I'll watch some hockey. I, I loved some Ty Domi fights. Loved me some Ty Domi fights <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a young teen teen gal. Um, but but um, no, I I think for me, you know, the things that I all all but the the account is true in my book. I was watching you know baseball, basketball, football as a kid in the den with my dad after work every night. I mean, that was what we did together. Um, yeah. We'd play Barbies and watch baseball. Like <laughs> that was what we did. And I mean, it was a, it was wonderful. Not um, that evening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was great. Um, and I think even for, you know, from three years old, like this, these were, this is what I was doing. And, um, and I'm an only child. I don't have any, um, you know, I obviously don't have these siblings and my father just taught me the game and he's a kind of a quiet guy, but, um, he can really talk about sports, Yeah. So yeah. you know, and so that was really the, the love language. And, um, you know, obviously the bulls of the nineties, I really remember the last couple championships, yeah. uh, you know, more so than the others, just given my age. But yeah. I remember that 98 season is imprinted in my brain. Like I remember seeing Dennis Rodman with the green hair loping up and down the court during regular season game. I remember watching the, like, you know, rally the championship rallies after they won. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, I've got the whole Chicago Bulls song memorized to this day. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like I think uh, who could not become a fan at that time? 
um, and the, the, the Zuba's pants and everything else that the joyous nineties <laughs> sports fandom. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I, I think with the Cubs, I started going to the ballpark at a really young age. Yeah. Um, it's just the best ballpark, man. Yeah. And, and my father, again, like he's, he's kind of a stoic guy, but, and he doesn't really root for a lot of teams, but he roots for the Cubs, right? He's one team out of maybe all the sports, really. And so, um, you know, I just found that was a way to make a connection with him. And then, you know, as I started listening to more baseball on the radio in my teen years and college years, I was like, there's, you know, I'm a poet, right? So we're all very, like, verbal auditory learners. We, like, love sounds and listening to people like Vin Scully or Len Casper or whatever. You're just like, oh, this is so sonorous. This is so interesting. Like, how are they making me care about this? All of these stories they're telling. And that was a big part of this book, too, was just kind of, like, saying, you know, okay, what are my influences outside of just poets? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the rhythm of the announcer. I love that. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's maybe you're you're tipping something off for me that like because I, 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 I sometimes say I don't know like why I decided to be a writer. Sometimes like I didn't grow up telling stories and like, mm-hmm. like doing that, that that kind of thing. But I did grow up like playing basketball in my driveway, and I would like narrate to myself like an announcer. Mm-hmm. Yes, beyond yeah. like the five, four, three, two, one thing. I, you know, I'd be like, you know. Corlew's having a rough night shooting tonight. He's got to hit this three or whatever, you know, like all kinds yeah. of, like I'm hard on myself and my, 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 my fantasies. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, like, yeah, you, you, you key into the announcers. You like, you listen to the way that story has been told. And like, sometimes like when I'm, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, I'll be like, wait a second, that, that's bullshit. What he just said, you know, like, yeah. like, I was sure. usually, usually watching Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy at that. No. But like, but, but yeah, the, the, I, I love that you shout that out, the, the, the rhythm and cadence of the announcers and like yeah. their importance to the fabric of the game. Cause it really is like a, a thing. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm grateful to hear you bring up Vin Scully and you reminded me one of my favorite getting older and, uh, moving away from LA, things was uh, realizing that we were like spoiled with good announcers. <laughs> you know, Vin Scully, Chick Hearn. Mm. Um, you know, I just, I just like, I, I think uh, LA unfortunately gets a, a slightly better. Uh, crop of people to pull from than some other. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would be curious. I want to throw out there. Um, let's say nineties. Favorite end of the bench Bulls guy, favorite end of the bench Cubs guy. Ooh, okay. Well, my end of the bench Bulls guy. Um, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm sorry that I'm gonna do this. I mean, I don't even <laughs> think he's an end of the bench. He's a rotation player, but okay. I good. think I think like. People forget that Steve Kerr was actually a good basketball player. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I, I saw a highlight package of him not recently. It was maybe about a year ago at this point. But, like, he has, like, this there, – there, there's a highlight of Steve Kerr, like, dribbling on a fast break, looking off either Jordan or Pippen, and, like, going behind the back, like, to himself, crossing some dude up and, like, hitting a, a layup that he jumps from, like – 12 feet out, you know, like really like, like, you know, is, is going, it's a layup. It's not a dunk, but I was like, Steve Kirk could do more than just shoot threes. Like he could That's do a little bit. That's some hubris there, man. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is 
Awesome. Uh, Ruining his legacy as a player by becoming a coach of a dynasty. Way to go, Speaker. (laughs) Yeah, we should all feel really bad for him, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Steve. Bob and I will will not get into our Steve Kerr argument and how cool the Warriors are argument, but I will have the last word on it. What's your end of the bench Cubs guy? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be completely transparent here and that I'm pulling up a roster um, because I just want to know what my options are. (laughs) Um, But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) there's some good guys. I mean, there are some really interesting players here. I think one guy that always stood out to me um, was Gary Gaetti. I don't know if you were, you know. Great name. Great name, Gary Gaetti. Yeah, that's about all. Did he play second base? I know he Gary He played third. He played, he third. played okay. third base. But, he, but, you know, he was really, really old when he was on the Cubs. I thought he was ancient. I thought he was over 40. Um, and the Cubs weren't even the last team he played for. He played, actually, for the Red Sox um, oh, wow. a few games the next year. So, um, yeah, he was with the Cubs in – 1998 and 1999, I remember he had the gray hair. He always looked tired. Um, <laughs> reminds me of myself in that way now that I'm approaching <laughs> his age. <laughs> but, yeah. Excellent choice. Yeah. Uh, Where are you at spiritually? I don't know. I feel a little bit like Gary Gaetti today. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean... <laughs> great baseball name um both in the the music of it but also a little bit of like are you sure that's a real person yeah Gary right. Gaetti. <laughs> yeah base, baseball well, he doesn't sound so... like an athlete um... no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah gary Gaetti. He's, he's he's in accounting i think no no he's in oh. hr oh you're right <laughs> oh my man uh um i think we're probably close to wrapping up. Chris, yeah. you can always correct me. Um, I think we did it. I think we did it. But I want to give Sandra a little chance to uh, talk about where folks could your, get your books, yes. or your new book, and tell us about what you're working on now so we can uh, you know, prep our excitement. You guys are too kind. Um <laughs> even though I told you I really wanted to talk about this. So. Oh, if you hadn't said it, we were just going to let it ride. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be transparent. I feel the need to be transparent. Fair, fair um, enough, fair enough. Yeah, no, the book, the Aisle 228, which, you know, the poem that you heard that was a baseball poem actually isn't in that book. But for more <laughs> baseball poems, um, check out Aisle 228, and that is available pretty much where books are sold. You know, you can go online to any bookselling book selling website and, yeah. and pick it up um and it's from texas a&m it's distributed through texas a&m university press so if you go to their website you can buy it direct from them cool um i am writing another like i i wrote another book of poetry like kind of at the same time as writing this book and okay. just haven't really been able to find that special someone to publish it yet. So we're, we're working on that. It's called Diorama, and it's, um, I think of it kind of as a book about influences. So, like, hmm. you like oh, what cool. you heard okay. from that Lee Young Lee, you know, explanatory extravaganza that we just did. Right. There's a lot more of that sort of stuff in Diorama. So, hopefully, we'll find somebody who will take it. Yeah, um, I am. I am not bullshitting. I'm not saying this because I'm a podcast host and you're my guest. 
the idea of a book about influences called Diorama is titillating. That sounds that sounds cool. <laughs> I think I'm like in love with the idea of like doing things that people tell you not to do. Like, okay, write about your influences or write about something really sentimental. Like, people tell you not to do that, and I'm just yeah. like, oh, let's see if we can do that. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. When we when we get off mic, I'm a little too superstitious to do it on mic. But when we get off mic, I'll tell you about my work in progress. Yes. <laughs> Yes. For, for that same reason, yeah. Uh, okay, but that's, that's exciting to hear. So this is was written, written at the same time, and you're feeling close to done? Done? Is it maybe going out to some places looking for a home? Oh, yeah. It's been, okay. it's been, it's been out traveling for a while now. Okay. Um, years. But every time yeah. it kind of come, comes back home, we have to, like, kind of put a new dress on it. And oh, of course. Oh, figure, sure. Yeah. You know, do a little bit of revision. So yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping somebody will, will pick it up. I'm hoping I change that one exact phrase that was bothering them. <laughs> hey, speaking as a reader for a lit mag, it usually is entirely one word, and you have to figure right, out which one. Right. It is. It's like, oh, I don't like things that have green in them. That's my yeah. flashpoint projection. <laughs> you use the word suddenly. I'm not going to stand for it. Not handling that. Yep. <laughs> but folks can find me. I'm on every social media. I'm on all the new social medias that are trying to take over Twitter. Um, but I'm at Sandra Poetry pretty much everywhere. Instagram at Sandra M, as in Marchetti Poetry. Sandra M Poetry. So someone took Sandra Poetry on Instagram. Yeah, it's bullshit. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> some, some lesser Sandra. <laughs> However, if that person wants to come forward after listening to this, <laughs> don't, don't overestimate our reach, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, they got no, poetry no. in their handle. Hey, other Sandra, come on this podcast too. See what you're made of. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. On that note, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us, Sandra. What a delight. Thank you for, Kenny. Oh, thank you for thank joining us. Thank you guys. Yeah. And good luck with all of your work. Oh, I thank always you. want to make sure. One, one day we will be in the same uh, we'll be in the same opening day lineup together. Uh, there we go. Oh, you are. Bob, you're in you're in the majors now. You've got you've got a book deal. You're in the majors. <laughs> book, book deal's a, a bit of an exaggeration, but yeah, the, the, the book's coming. <laughs> 18 months, baby. All right. Good job, Bob. Thank you. <laughs> like a, like oh. Pat Riley's dad, I'll join you there in five years. <laughs> come up and come up, for, come up for a couple ABs and then go straight back down to AAA. All right, Sandra oh. Marchetti, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this was a blast. Our music is done by Brennan Johnson. Our art is done by A.M. Strickland. We will be back next month.